Welcome to the Marketing Your Growth Podcast. I'm Shane Barker, your host for the show. And Brian Clayton is back with us today. On the last episode, he told us that he bootstrapped his business, GreenPal. Let's pick up the conversation where we left off. So let's. what I want to talk about is is like zero revenue to, you, you already alluded to it, you guys are at eight figures. Um, I want to talk to you about that a little bit because I don't, you know, we, once again, we talk about your small business as I do my air quotes, right? It's it's not small, right? And the same thing with GreenPal, like you guys have really built this thing up. And I don't think, once again, my audience understands it because we talk about it, but like what it really takes to do that, right? Like, I don't think people really understand the magnitude of that. They're like, oh, you just work hard for a year. No, 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 no. You work hard for 10 years and then you become an overnight success, yeah. right? Like it's, and I think that's what's important I'm not, I always don't, I don't try to scare people, but I, I do a lot of consulting and I just say, Hey, where are you at? Like, what do you, like, what are you ready to put into this? Like, do you understand the magnitude of this? Not for me to scare you, but for me to be realistic about what do we think this outcome could be? And what do you, how much time do you think you're going to put in? And what do you think you're going to get out of it? And once again, are you going to enjoy this, that journey? And what is it going to take to be able to be successful, right? Like, what is that? And what is success to you? Is that a, a number mark? Is it because you you don't really care about making as much, but you just want to enjoy your work, which that, there's value in that as well. Like everybody has their their thing, their thing that they look at to go, oh, I enjoy this or I don't enjoy this. And it could be, oh, I want more time off. I want Fridays off. That's what makes me happy because I hang out with my family. Awesome. Maybe it's not money as much because you're only working four days a week. Like you got to look at what that is, but like, how did you guys, like, what was your guys' thing with, with Green Pal and like, how did you guys bootstrap it? Like what, cause you also had Peachtree that we haven't even talked about, right? Peachtree Inc. That was another company that you built up. Brian, please allow me to pause our conversation for a minute and tell our listeners about our services that my team and I provide. We can help you with influencer marketing, SEO, social media marketing, and more. You can visit our website, shanebarker.com. That's S-H-A-N-E-B-A-R-K-E-R.com for more information. And now back to our conversation with Brian. Was that the landscaping? Yeah, Peachtree Peach was the, the was the ultimate company that I built up to ten million a year in revenue, one hundred fifty people. That's the one that got acquired, rolled all of that knowledge into building GreenPal. And when we started GreenPal, always had a big ambition. Always knew that we wanted this thing to be the default way that people coast to coast of the United States get this chore done. One, we want to be in the same conversation as like an Instacart, Uber, Airbnb, DoorDash, Postmates, you name it. Like green pal like why would you call somebody just 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 download green pal that's that's the the ambitious goal that we have but the the dichotomy in entrepreneurship is that you have to have that huge ambitious goal but you also have to think and act very 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 small and especially in the early days so so i mean it's down to the grind of like writing code writing the blog posts doing customer support doing customer outreach like reading blogs trying to figure out your strategy for customer acquisition um reaching out to journalists, pitching hundreds of journalists every day to begging them to write about your, your startup. All of these things are like the mundane, like slog of getting a business going set against the, Hey, we want to be nationwide with a million users. Um, it's like, that's the output metric. Like the input metric is okay. That means we got to, we got to pop up 40 landing pages this week, quality ones. Who's going to write those. Uh, that means we got to get another hundred signups every day. How are we going to do that? It's like all of the things you're doing day in, day out, like to get there. It's, it's, a, it's a weird thing. It's, it's huge major league stuff. And then it's very small, like humbling tasks that nobody wants to do. Yeah. And I think this is the thing is it's all foundational, right? But that's the thing is if you want to get up to this, whatever, eight, eight figure mark, what do you need to do? And it's all little steps, right? And of course, it's a lot of rights and lefts and lefts and rights and straights and right again, right again, right again, right again. I mean, it's, that's what it, it takes. It's, it's funny when we, 
I had a business that we built up long story, but up to $25 million. We did it in two years. And the reason I tell you that is that we weren't ever too worried about people doing the exact same thing that we were doing because we knew we had two years of R and D, right? Like they were definitely getting the end yeah. result and trying to get that together, but they didn't have the hundreds of thousands of hours before that, that we all put in to make, to get it to that point. So I think that's the, the value of it is, is saying, yep. Hey, like out of these 50 things we need to do on a daily basis, we have to grind away and get 1% higher every three weeks, whatever that is. And spend a little more time here because customer service wasn't great. Oh, we have a big problem with, you know, 90% of our people that are mowing lawns are felons and we had something happen. Like, right. Well, what do we, I mean, these are all things that we look at, you know, cause I know you guys qualify your people and you guys do a lot of things to, to make sure that, you know, it's a no brainer. You guys are trying to make it, or you have made it stupid easy for somebody to get their, their, their lawn done. Cause you looked at it and said, okay, why is this a, pro like, why are we having problems finding good people? Like you just want to get your lawn mode. I'm not looking for brain surgery, right? Like I'm, it's literally an easy <laughs> task, right? Like it can happen. Yeah. There's people out there. And like, how do we put those two people together? So what, when, and so when you guys are, when I'm talking about bootstrapping, cause I want to, I want to touch on it a little more. Did you guys, I mean, obviously did you guys have investment money. Was there people that wanted to put investment out money out there? And you said, Hey, listen, we don't really need to do that. Like what was your, what, what happened there? There were a few things that happened. Uh, at, at the beginning, we kind of subscribed to this notion of startup land that, you know, the first thing you do is you got to go raise, you know, a hundred, a half million dollar seed round. And then you try to raise a $3 million series A or five or 10 these days. And, and we kind of like stuck our toe in that. And at the same time, there was a avalanche of venture capital, like flowing into all of these Uber for X ideas. And so, and so the funding environment was, was relatively frothy. But these companies were like dropping like flies left and right. Like, like, like there was an Uber for home cleaning that, that, that only lasted 18 months and they burned through $75 million in venture capital. There were several other Uber for lawn mowing companies that, uh, that, that also like crashed and burned. And so we, we figured out that, hey, maybe that's not the strategy for us. Maybe we just need to go slow and low. And, and fund the business off of its own revenues because we're sitting here looking at all these guys piss away two, three, five, ten million dollars, sometimes 20 and 30 million dollars. And they're smart guys. And maybe that's not the strategy for this particular business. And as it turns out, it wasn't because we've self-funded it the whole way. And now we're a decade in and, and we've outlasted, you know, maybe a half dozen other startups that, that collectively raised maybe half a billion dollars. And uh, I think it's been because of that necessity is the mother of invention adage. It really has been the truth for us. We've had to focus on solving the hard problems in the product because our life depended on it. We couldn't just throw money at it. We had to figure out how we can make 99% of the people happy to, that use our product. Whereas if we had 10 million in the bank, maybe that wouldn't have been a priority. And so I think a lot of times like capital and, and, and like trying to move too fast can like paper over a lot of fundamental things that are wrong with the business. Whereas, you know, we didn't have the luxury to make those mistakes. We had to figure out how to keep 99% of the people that come through the pipe. It's just, it's just a different thing, right? I mean, when you have all that money and people go, oh, that's, that's awesome. It is. But then you also have a different set of rules too, you know, right? You have, you have a board and you have people that are just going to say, hey, guess what? I don't know if Brian's the right guy. And so we got to bring in this guy that's going to accelerate growth. And you're like, wait, but you don't understand the vision of what we got going on. Oops, sorry, Brian. And they push you. Aside. Like there's, I'm not saying venture capital is right. bad, but I am saying that it's a different deal, right? You, you have a different level of commitment. And then, you know, you have a certain burn rate. Like if you don't use the money, then they're not going to give you more money. So guess what? You're making decisions 
and probably just kind of making it rain a little bit money-wise when maybe you need to make a little bit of a better educated decision there. And so I think bootstrapping, every dollar you guys spent, you're damn near having a meeting about it, right? You're like, hey, we're going to spend some money here. We got to do this. Or it's, you're spending more time, right? I got to learn how to code. Hey, I need to learn how to do copy. I need to write, you know, put together a landing page. Like, where are we going to spend our money? You're definitely more strategic because, you know, every dollar that goes out the door, you're like, man, that 33 cents of that was mine. And well, I'm just, you know, we're going to make it rain and we're going to make this thing happen and see what happens. So once again, I think it's, you know, I, I have plenty of businesses that I consult and they're like, hey, you know, we want to go after capital. And I'm like, not a bad play, but do you understand what that means, right? Like it's just, it can be a different deal. Great, it's, it could all, it could be awesome, but it also could be the most stressful two years of your life and you broke through $15 million and you're like, what just happened? And now your business is gone or they just take all of your assets because they're 51%. Like there's, you're giving up, you're giving up something for that cash. There's nothing, if somebody's giving you cash or something else that's happening, you got to understand what that would look like and what are the you know best case scenarios and worst case scenarios, right? You know I mean? There's plenty of CEOs that have been, pushed out of their own business would you be okay with that well i mean look at uber absolutely right like i mean it's like you're this it's your baby and then all of a sudden go ahead you need to understand the differences and the dynamics of the two paths and and be okay with whichever path you choose one may not necessarily be better than the other i think the odds of success are are a lot less if you decide to go the venture capital route because in the early days you're going to be spending a lot of time building something that investors love and not necessarily what customers love. And in those early, like six months, 12, 18 months, you're going to be spending a lot of time on fundraising and not building a product that people love. So, so that, that, that distraction in and of itself in a weird way can be a thing that torpedoes your chances. Um, And then, and then the other thing is, is, is like most first time founders aren't ready to put uh, rocket fuel in the Toyota Camry. And, and, and a lot of times that's what venture capital is. You know, if this is your first go, if you've never built a million or a $10 million business and your first go is you're trying to swing for the fences, you're probably going to strike out. And, you know, you use Uber as an example, you know, what they seemingly did in three or four years, you know, Travis Callan, they could already sold a $10 million company. His co-founder Garrett Camp built and sold stumble upon for like 30 million. Like this was already their like they had already hit like a couple home runs. This was already like their second or third uh, swing at the plate. So they were experienced operators. And so a lot of times, you know, if you don't have a win under your belt and you're trying to raise venture capital and, and swing for the fences, it, it may not end well. And you just got to be okay with that. Like you need to understand that. And, and I'm, you know, one's not necessarily better than the other. You need to understand the difference. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. It's like understand what you're giving up. Now, once again, you get venture capital and they're probably going to give you a mentor and they're going to have an accelerator program. And the amount of growth that can happen through that at a small amount of time can be phenomenal. But just know that if you don't hit certain metrics pretty quickly, that there's an investment, they put money down and they will move your ass to the side and have somebody else come in because they've invested, right? They're looking at the, the best interest for their investors, the people that, you know, their funds and stuff that they have. So, just that's what I think people forget about is like, hey, if you're not performing and that doesn't mean hours, if you're not, things aren't happening in a certain way and for them to have this two-year trajectory of a sale or whatever that is, you've got to be able to keep up with that. And unfortunately, people don't understand what that entails. And a lot of times this is, I mean, you think your hours were crazy then, now you're grinding it out, you know, and all of a sudden you're 20 pounds skinnier and you're like, yeah, you have and no why hair. Would they? Nobody, nobody teaches us this stuff. Yeah, exactly. That's the problem is like, do you understand what you're giving up? And, and once again, it could make sense, right? That's awesome. 
but maybe it doesn't make sense. Like you got to understand really what that looks like. Most people only want to look at the upside. Oh, if we get this money, great, we'll make it to a hundred million dollar company. Well, what happens if you get kicked out in three months? Right? Like, what does that look like? And so I think that's the, that's the problem with a lot of these things is that they don't understand the other side of that thing. But so this is a thing. So we, we've talked about how, you, you know, you guys bootstrapping. The reason why you guys bootstrapped the thing is awesome. The fact that you took over the landscaping industry. Thanks, Brian. It's been a great episode and I'm sure our listeners now know more how to bootstrap a business. Our conversation doesn't end here. We'll discuss the landscaping industry in the next episode. So stay tuned.